New York Times critic Janet Maslin praised it as a good-natured, hot-weather comedy. Frederick and Marianne Broussard of Spirituality and Practice said it was a mediocre, predictable comedy. And Paul Atanasio of the Washington Post called it the kind of movie that could make you wish you had poison ivy. At least the scratching would occupy your mind. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the fate of summer rental. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to Rune Childhoods, the podcast where we talk about the classic movies that we've all grown up with and the franchises that have been built out of them and Hollywood's tendency to revisit these every now and again. And you get to hear our, I guess, collective four cents about what should happen. My two cents and the two cents contributed by John. Hey, hi, John. hi. hi everybody. Thank hey. you for listening. Uh, if you want to hear about the Shaft series of movies, listen to the last episode. Just saying. <laughs> Dan talks about Shaft a lot. There is a we're not mini- gonna ta- We're not going to talk so much about Shaft on this episode. If you want the Shaft POV... <laughs> of Dan, then like check out the last episode, not this one. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do? I was in Europe and the new shaft was streaming on Netflix and who am I to pass up an opportunity? And you know what? I just didn't, I didn't think we'd have another window of opportunity. So there enjoy. If you want to, I don't know, a little shaft sidebar last episode. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but on, on this episode, we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. I think pretty quickly because, as far as I could tell, there's really not much going on in the news of reboots and remakes and sequels and prequels and what have yous. Um, I see I lots mean, of much. like adaptation stuff, but we're not an adaptation podcast. Well, it it depends. Unless we talk like, about the movie adaptation, in which case, well, we will be an adaptation it, podcast. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, I'd like to speak, I'd like to, I'd like to speak to that for a moment because, um, recently we were, I guess, uh, Edgar Wright was, was doing a little Twitter Q and A and was asked like, if he could remake any movie, what would he remake? And, and mm. he said the running man. Yeah. And I know we're, we're both big fans of the running man, 1987 and Edgar Arnold Schwarzenegger. And also both big fans of Edgar Wright. And my question was, is this a remake of the movie or is it a re-adaptation of Stephen King writing as Richard Bachman, um, his novel that the movie was based on? But it's kind of a loose adaptation. Well, anyway, regardless of all of that, Edgar Wright did say in follow-up tweets that he has looked into it And there is just too much red tape. So it is never likely to happen. So, and 
is there a need for it? I mean, I think Running Man, and we'll talk about Running Man another time, but I think there's a lot about Running Man that really relates to our world today. And it is also set in uh, 2017. Right. So it, it's not entirely a bad idea, but it seems like whether or not it's a, it's a good idea is, is kind of a moot point. So, yeah. Um, so but aside I from did, that, I don't think that there's really much going on. Uh, got a little more information on Rambo Last Blood, that that Rambo is working down by the border as a migrant worker and will be facing off against a um, Mexican cartel. And I guess Stallone's been really into the whole immigration issue because he also in an interview said that he was cooking up a new new addition to the Rocky franchise not a not Creed 3 but this would be a right. like Rocky 7 yeah um and that it would involve him taking under his wing an undocumented immigrant i i assume in, in Interesting. philadelphia so i mean i was going to ask you where stallone stands on this issue, but it seems like he is in favor of, or I should say not in favor of putting people in cages. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, unless we're talking about in the ring, in an octagon of sorts. Yes. Yes. Or in in demolition man (laughs) in a cage of liquid goo, ice, freeze anyhow um yeah you know stallone i think he's kind of (laughs) whereas i think politically he's definitely shown some leanings he's been known to say that he really prefers to kind of stay stay out of it whereas arnold because i guess we're talking about one we have to talk about both arnold (laughs) schwarzenegger of course was governor of california so right but in a very different republican party than uh, yes. what exists oh. now. Yes. Well, um, but that is that is neither. Well, it's 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 not here. It's there. You know, we we can talk about these things. That's just you know talking about facts. <laughs> We're not sharing a, a, yeah. our own opinions. We're just you <laughs> yeah. know discussing yeah. the things that we that are out there that are public information. Yes, I guess so. But so Stallone was quoted on saying that he. It kind of considers himself to be apolitical, but I think as as far as human rights goes, either he has an opinion and is using his his art to to make a statement on that, or he just sees a good opportunity for for Rambo and for Rocky to interact with these with these issues. But then again, human rights were also a focus of Rambo, the the fourth Rambo sure. film, the um, you know, genocide in Burma. Right. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone, you're a comp- you're Anything a complex else? gentleman. Um, hey, um I want to give a shout out to Kelly McGillis. So I was reading some some interviews, she was doing some interviews on Top Gun Maverick and kind of was just straight up and said, hey, you know, they didn't invite me back probably because I'm like 63 and I'm fat (laughs) and I understand why they didn't invite me back. So whatever. That's great. Hooray for Top Gun, too. Oh, boy. Um, 
But she wasn't. No, she didn't see. The, I'm, I'm, I'm adding the well, little the bitterness. She did. She did not. I mean, I didn't hear the interview. I just read it. But she did not seem bitter. She just kind of seemed like, hey, this is the industry I work in. Where in 1986, I can you know play romantically opposite Tom Cruise, and we've both aged the same amount since then. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And okay. I uh, say what you will about Scientology. And I certainly have my own thoughts on it. Oh, but yeah. if the if Scientology is responsible for Tom Cruise being the way that he is today, then then that part that aspect of it I'm okay with. Because <laughs> that guy just keeps on getting better. As far as I'm concerned. Well, and what is every, it's like he kind of, he takes it, I guess, I, I guess he takes it easy with movies like Top Gun. And then he does these Mission Impossible movies and ever, and he's doing, there's all these incredible stunts and you're like, oh, that had to be, you know, digital. Nope. That was real. It's like, oh, wow. Who's his stuntman? Nope. No stuntman. Tom Cruise that is was, his stuntman. That was, that was Tom Cruise. That was it. And you're just like, what the hell? And then Tom Cruise is just like, hey, man, Scientology. Well, let me. Okay. So just going back to the Kelly McGillis uh, news bit, the one thing. Yeah, just her commentary. Yeah. yeah, And the one thing that bothered me about that news is that the one article that I did see about it, the headline was like, Tom Cruise's girlfriend from Top Gun. And it's just like, she has a name. Use her name. She she was his goddamn instructor. Yeah. She was his superior in that. Also, she was awesome in Top Gun. She was awesome in Top Gun. But um oh, and you know, I I I'll share a little uh I guess not reboot news, but kind of remake readaptation news of my own. I'm of just kind own. of excited about it. Well, Okay, so um, I, as 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 many of you know, I teach at um, at high school in the Seattle area, and I also direct their their fall play, and I'm excited because I'm doing a few good men, directing Aaron Sorkin's A Few Good Men. Dan, like I said, we don't talk about adaptations on here. So if you want to talk about your plays, start a different podcast. I'm just kidding. I'm very excited no, for you. <laughs> I'm excited. No, I'm excited about it because I'm cha- like, you know, as as we would discuss if if it was being remade and there mm-hmm. were some changes being made or we were suggesting changes to be made, I, I'm making some changes that actually for me were things that were obstacles whenever I would think about, you know, okay, well, how could I, you know, first of all, to pull this off anywhere without people just kind of having the movie in their head. And especially you've got the iconic, you can't handle the truth. And my thought was it, it takes on a whole different energy. If you have a character who's, who's like their MO is to remain calm, cool and collected is if you have a rather than 
Commander Jessup, who was you know famously played by Jack Nicholson, if Commander Jessup is played by a woman who has struggled against stereotypes to rise in power, also if this is not set in like we're not setting it today, I'm I'm planning on setting mine in the 90s. The play is originally set in the 80s, but if you have this a woman and I was inspired by an uh, interview I heard with Julia Louis-Dreyfus on Pod Save America where mm. she talked about the role of Selena Meyer and how how in order to succeed in this male-dominated world she had to become more of a misogynist than the men and she it's in that last season she does the whole man up thing it's right. she talked about how like Selena from her childhood, who's just kind of like had learned to hate her or have a distaste for femininity, uh, except for when it's convenient or not, not femininity, but like it, it, to appear quote unquote womanly and, and, you know, like emotional and out of control. Right. So, I thought about that in terms of of Jessup and the build kind of to that line when he loses it. And I'm like, if you just have this like stone, you've got like imagine like a Sharon Stone in in Basic Instinct, you know, just Mm -hmm. kind of like that cold, calculated, cool, calm, collected that you're not going to rattle me no matter what attitude Mm -hmm. it. I think it takes it in a direction where. I, I hope an audience will not be sitting there thinking like, wait a second, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> so, um, and that's just kind of an example. But I, I feel like it kind of fits in with what we talk about in terms of, of movies. And I think what we'll talk about a little bit today with Summer Rental. Yeah, and I mean, talking about A Few Good Men, we got John Candy, Rip Torn, Richard Crenna, and Carl Reiner. And John LaRoquette. And John LaRoquette. I mean, very small role, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, summer, so, yeah, yes. Summer Rental. Thank you for I indulging mean, my, me. My recollection of Summer Rental was very limited. And I mean, I hadn't probably seen it in close to 30 years. And what I did remember was you know, all of the gross people walking past their little summer rental uh, Mm -hmm. and John Candy getting very sunburnt. Those are the two things. And saying, um, oh my God, uh, is it Noxima? The uh, cream? No, it's not. Uh, What's the name of the cream that he uh, keeps on putting on his sunburn? Is it... Is it Noxima? I don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> there's something about that that like triggered, like hearing him say it again, like triggered me. Like, oh yeah, I rem- I remember this like very vividly. But there were certainly things that I uh, were kind of fresh to me that I certainly didn't catch when I was a child, like the next door neighbor who <laughs> is showing off her breast implants. By, uh, and, and always opening up the conversation with being like, you must have very good vision. <laughs> and she, whatever, whatever it is they do. Oh, you're an air traffic controller. Oh, so you must have, it's your job. You have to have very, the, the, I have to say the payoff for that 
gag with the judge at the end oh, yeah. is it, it's it, it's pretty good. It's a pretty solid gag. <laughs> you know, and it's I feel like it's done in the most tasteful way it possibly could have been done. It's harm. I mean, well, the husband is all the husband is just like, oh, again. All right. Did you tell her they're perfect? They're perfect. OK, geez. you know, what, what was it that he he like, you know, I could have had a power tool. Yeah. Um, chainsaw. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I not to be really, confused with chainsaw in summer school in summer school. Yeah. So I really enjoyed watching summer rental. I watched it yesterday and it uh there were certain things about it where I thought that it had room for improvement. I feel like the whole first part of it where they go to the wrong house, it's like, it's funny, but it doesn't drive the story really forward all that well. They could have just rolled up to like the dinky little shack, you know, at the beginning. The, 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 the funniest part, the, like the best part of that is is the buildup, and this is the Carl Reiner, of course, was a is a master of this building up a um, building up a gag, and just like the dog asleep as all this is oh, yeah. going on with the family coming in and every they're moving out, and and may I add, I I kind of I was like, man, he's kind of he's kind of a jackass, John oh, Candy's character, absolutely. Yeah. Like not incredibly apologetic and then spills all the dog food and it's just like, oh, all right, it's it's their well, mess now. And another thing is like he is a jackass up until the very end. Well, yeah, and I, I uh definitely come back. I definitely want to uh his arc is yeah. I think what makes the movie still still relevant, but uh sure. but I, before we talk about before we we get in, into that, um, I I as well had a lot of memories of this movie. I've probably seen it more recently than you. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember the last time I saw it. It was probably like on demand, and you know it's just one of those things where it's like oh you know okay I'll put like it's just one of those you know you get home from camp over the summer you get home from the pool and there's a thunderstorm so you're just looking whatever's on HBO and oh okay great summer rental it's <laughs> like I don't remember the first time I saw it but I can almost guarantee you it was like a summer day. And it was like on HBO. I don't remember like renting it. And for anyone who's listened to the show enough, like I would, re- I'd probably remember it. Yeah, um, it's true. So, uh, but I, I don't have much of a recollection. It, it opened, um, opened in, in August, 1985 and opened at, at number two, because Back to the Future was oh. the number one movie every weekend, like yeah. that whole summer. And um, it actually opened against a few uh, cult classics, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Real Genius. Wow. And actually opened one week after the very first movie that you, John, saw in the uh-huh. movie theater, Sesame Street Presents Follow That Bird. Follow That Bird, baby. Now I rem- now as because I doubt we'll devote an entire episode to follow that bird. 
I will tell you, I do remember seeing that at the Westfield Rialto. I believe <laughs> we saw it in the, it was in the, back when the Westfield Rialto only had three screens and one of the screens was like upstairs and it was cool. Like I loved, I saw Exorcist 3 there. I saw a lot of great movies. I don't know why Exorcist 3 <laughs> was the one that popped into my head as I'm talking about Follow That Bird. But yeah, I do remember us going to, going to see that and, I, I can only imagine Summer Rental could have been playing at one of the other on one of the other screens. Very true. Very true. But uh, but I definitely like the John Candy sunburn. They, it's just so uncomfortable to see him like sunburned yeah. in the cast. And that has so like stuck with me. I think that one time. of the reasons why I never revisited this movie is because I re- there, there's something about um his name is Jack Chester in the movie, John Candy's character. He's so unlikable for 90% of the movie that, you know, it, it, he doesn't have that quality that makes you want to keep watching him again the same way that, you know, in Spaceballs when he was played Barf, you know, it's like sure. you love that character. You want to see him over and over again. And even some of his, what, what's up? Or a, a, a movie that's very comparable to this, The Great Outdoors. He plays the right. character Chet Ripley, who's much more he he like the well-meaning family man mm-hmm. trope. He's like in The Great Outdoors. He's much more likable. Of course, you've got Dan Aykroyd uh, taking all of the unlikability right that there needs to be. Yeah, and in a, in a great way. And uh, just a, a brief synopsis of uh, Summer Rental, uh, Jack Chester is, as we mentioned, an air traffic controller who is completely burnt out, and he is kind of making some, not fatal mistakes, but just like weirdo mistakes that, you know, just are just care- a little careless. Just careless, but everybody, no crashes happen, don't worry, and uh his boss forces him to go take a vacation and sets him up with a summer rental house in Florida. And as we mentioned, first they, you know, go to this one house and it seems perfect. It's this beautiful house right on the beach. It looks like a postcard, they say. And uh, it turns out that that's someone else's house. Um, they end up at this tiny little dinky shack that has flies everywhere. It's right in front of the public beach access. So that's where everybody is passing through. The beach is super crowded. Um, they encounter this, a, um, this guy named Scully, who is a, he looks like a pirate and he talks like a pirate and he has a hook for a hand and he owns this seafood restaurant. And I'm saying that kind of with quotes, uh, called the barnacle, (laughs) I believe. The barnacle, yeah. The barnacle. And, um, they end up there because they are set all set on going to this really fancy restaurant to have lobster. But when they finally get to the front of the like wait for everything, all, uh, Richard Crenna, Al Pellet comes in and he's kind of the hot shot in town and he's like super rich. He owns a bunch of stuff and he wins the uh, annual regatta <laughs> all the time. I am sorry. I'm laughing because I didn't make the connection until now, but he's kind of just like the, the comedic. I, it would be funny if in some cinematic universe, Al Pellet is related to Ben Gazzara's character in Roadhouse. Oh, yeah. 
He's also he also reminds me of like R.J. Fletcher from UHF. Yeah, R.J. Fletcher from UHF, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's you know he's that great actors who are so good at playing these like smarmy rich people, and credit to Richard Crenna, so funny. Oh yeah, he plays this character so perfectly. It's so great. Uh, there's, there's a scene when he's, um, signing the deed to the, the rental house where they're at when the owner dies and he's signing it on top of the cat. He closes the casket at the funeral to sign on top of it. And it's so perfect. I love it. And doesn't he put something in, what does he put in the casket after, oh, oh, doesn't it, when he, is that when he gets the the other check? When he gets the other when, check, is that when is that oh, when yeah um, when John so Candy comes in? He brings him the check for the rent, and he rips at the it funeral up. home. Yeah, at the funeral. He home. rips it up and puts it in the casket. Oh, does he? <laughs> I didn't catch that. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I think so. So so John Candy's character makes this whole scene when Al Pellet comes in and takes the table that he's supposed to get and they takes, he buys all of the rest of the lobster that's there. So John Candy flips out and they just have this vendetta against each other the whole time. And, um, you know, there, it's just kind of a series of, um, John Candy becoming friendly with Scully Rip Torn's character, Mm -hmm. who's so good. And it's, it was so wonderful to watch the, late and truly great Rip Torn uh, play a character that's kind of different. I mean, I'm so used to seeing him in suits. You know what I mean? Right. Larry Sanders. Yeah. Larry Sanders on on 30 Rock. Defending your life. Defending your life. Oh my God. So good in defending your life. And in this, he's, you know, he's kind of a pirate (laughs) seafood restaurateur. Oh, well, it's funny because first of all, and I cannot think of or say the word horseshit without thinking of Rip Torn. And mm. I like I, whether it was in Defending Your Life or as already on Larry Sanders show, but he would like, oh, horseshit. Yeah. Like I just, it's like, wow, he, it's like how Samuel L. Jackson kind of owns motherfucker. Yeah. Rip Torn for, will forever own horseshit. <laughs> but and, you know, he's, he's just so good and he's so likable. And, when you see him like smiling and and having a good time and and forging yeah. his friendship with John Candy's character, it's just like, ah, uh, you you just you want to see more and more and more of that. So I think that Rip Torn really is like the reason to watch this movie because he, I feel like, in his capable hands. John Candy is able to kind of make that turn in his character arc, which oh, is yeah. not so, it's not so much of an arc because an arc you kind of imagine peaking in the you know just kind of like having a progression, you know, having a steady crescendo. But this is kind of like a, it's a flat lines and then spikes up because he's so, still because Jack is still kind of a jerk to his family. And is essentially doing all this stuff with Scully in secret. Yes, right. And they're going out there with John Larroquette's character. And sure. 
Yeah, Don. Who's really not. Yeah, Don, Don and he like he's not as at first you kind of think he's going to be like really smarmy and right. You know, he's he's harmless. But yeah, so I mean, summer rental. So it kind of fits into that. Those really 80s specific genres of the snobs versus slobs. Well, slobs I mean, versus snobs. Yeah, I mean, it. The the crescendo of the movie, the climax of the movie is at the annual regatta that, yeah. you know, John Candy is in with his whole family and everybody's getting along and working together and um, having a great time. Yeah. And, and, you know, winning a regatta was that's how you settled a feud in the 80s back in 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 the mid 80s. And yeah. And if your initials were JC. So if you're John Candy whoa. or John Cusack. Whoa. In one crazy summer. You're winning has, that regatta, man. Do we have to? Do we have to write a movie set in the '80s starring Jesus Christ? <laughs> and he wins a regatta. Yeah. <laughs> he would star. <laughs> sure, I don't know. What's he up to? I mean, he came out of retirement once, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, by the way, can I? I just before we move on to from the from the original, uh, the score. The score is so I feel like I've heard it in so many different in Oh yeah. It's like was is this the score from Baby Boom? Is this a score from like I don't know, like Gung Ho yeah. or uh, I, it's extremely familiar, but speaking of scores, I uh, I mean Axel F plays a prominent role in this movie. Yeah, a little, well, you know, hey, man, Paramount, help a brother out. Axel yeah. F. Uh, from Beverly Hills Cop. Although, oh, so here's an, an interesting um, thing I noticed. When she's she's got her headset on, she's mm-hmm. got her headphones on. I guess it's when they're going to, the, they're at the movie theater or whatever. I don't know. And the other kid the daughter, is Greg. Yeah. yeah, the daughter. So uh, played by Kerry Green. Mm-hmm. Um, from Goonies. And, and, and yeah, absolutely. The Goonies, Lucas. Mm-hmm. And she, so the other, so the, so the guy's like, "Hey, what are you listening to?" And of course, they're both listening to the radio. And she goes, "Wham!" Like one hundred one point three. Yeah. And the song is Footloose. I noticed that too, and I was like, "Do they expect that no one's going to notice? Did they not get the rights to yeah. use the Wham song?" Which, by the way, there's a Footloose poster right behind them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but come on, like we know our, you know, just what, is it not cool to say Loggins? Loggins, 101.4. Yeah. Got to get your Loggins on. Absolutely. Log yeah. in and log ins. <laughs> okay. So. Log out. Uh, <laughs> um, what are you, what are we going to do with this one, John? Well, I mean, there's really no prequel to speak of unless you just want to see a movie about an air traffic controller, which eh, maybe, uh, Pushington sequel. been there, done that John Cusack. Yeah, there you go. Uh, John Cusack coming up again. Uh, you can't do a sequel unless you have a story with Joey Lawrence's character. He plays the son, but whoa, I don't think that anybody, whoa, indeed. I don't think that anybody really cares to see that. Um, or there's really much of a story to tell unless it's just an episode of Melissa and Joey. Oh boy. And no one wants to see that. And, Does that uh, still, 
exist? I don't think so. Oh, okay. This is Melissa Joan Hart show. I think that ended like yeah. 10 years ago. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but this certainly could be a good re- for a remake. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a pretty simple story. It's not like it hasn't been done other times, just in slightly different ways. Um, but if we were to actually do a true remake, I would probably, and this is not somebody who I typically would want to, I don't know, remake movies, but I'd go for Adam Sandler because, you know, he can certainly be, he can be likable. He can be a grouch. Mm -hmm. He can be kind of schlubby and lazy, but he can Mm -hmm. certainly make you feel for those redemptive moments. Uh, I would want to reunite him uh, for the fourth time with Drew Barrymore as a as his wife, and I would. What's up? Can I ask? What Rob Schneider is Scully? No, definitely Rob, not. Okay, Steve where's Buscemi? Rob Schneider going to be? Steve. Oh, oh, Steve Buscemi is Scully. All right, Steve Buscemi there you is go. Scully. Uh, Rob Schneider. Uh, he could just be one of the beach goers. I, I don't know. I, oh, no. I don't Rob care. Schneider's got it. Nope. Nope. I got it. Rob Schneider is going to be at the regatta doing you can do it. Uh, yeah. That's the one time he shows up. Um, and then for the Al Pellet role, I had a few different thoughts. My first thought was Kevin Bacon, which would be a nod to the Footloose references. Um. We could also have Oscar Isaac because you're listening to Ruined Childhoods. And also because you're listening to Ruined Childhoods, it could be Michael Shannon. Those are my th- top three for the Al Pellet role. And because this is an Adam Sandler movie, the next door neighbor with the implants, Cloris Leachman. Oh. Because you can't just have it be like a straightforward, obvious thing. It's got to be like old lady. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, okay. she can, and she can get really filthy and have fun with it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, beer fest. Um, Very much so. I mean, among others, but yeah. So I was thinking the same. I was definitely thinking remake. I was actually thinking, because I think one of the questions we ask, or one of the questions I ask is like, why remake this? Like what, mm-hmm. what's the purpose? And I, I was thinking about that kind of that arc that Jack goes through and I, I'm going to call it an, an arc, uh, but um, you think about all the factors that lead to him becoming a happier, more connected, more engaged person. And you think about what he does for a living. He sits in a room all day, staring at screens. Now, you set that in today's world, you not only have the dad staring at screens all day, you've got the kids who are, you know, of course, with phones and games and everything, they're staring at screens. You know, you it's everybody. And if you were to kind of take the same satirical approach, whereas like Carl Reiner had the beat, the beach was comically overcrowded. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that a beach is ever quite that. 
I've ever been to a beach quite as crowded as the one in summer rental. I think it's mostly comedic, but, um, I think that this, that this could say a lot for depression Mm -hmm. and, and kind of what, you know, there's some real science and as to how, um, like, like screen, um, I don't want to call it screen addiction, but, you know, constantly being on, on your phone or constantly, or especially like with social media and uh, not just using it, but just like obsessively doing that leads to depression. You've got the famous, you know, FOMO fear of missing out, Mm -hmm. um, that can lead to, to depression and, you know, mental health problems. So if you have Jack as this, as this person who's just tired and, and burnt out, maybe he's taking antidepressants. Maybe he's, you know, I, Whatever, like well, whatever it seems he's like doing, he, he wouldn't be taking antidepressants. Well, yeah, or maybe he's taking something, but he's not taking what he should be taking. I don't know. He's not like he, or, or he's not exercising. He's not, um, you know, he's not outdoors, and he really doesn't like want to engage with anyone at the beginning of the movie. So I think, and also he's got like, there's a body image subplot that they kind of, they tap into a little bit in the original, but I think you could work with that more and have him, you know, he's, he's, you know, got that depression, depression, he's sitting all day, he's snacking, he's, you know, um, doing whatever. And then he, you know, you could have, you could show this effect of how when he's forced to get out from behind the screen and his kids are, and then his kids kind of see, follow his model and, you know, maybe they're not forced to do it because you try forcing kids off their phones, they will find a way. But like, if you see how he's kind of forced and he gets out there and he get whatever, gets off social media and he, cause let's face it, it's not just kids that do that. It's you know adults <laughs> just as much, if not more. And he's, you could see him gain confidence, um, get into shape. That's why I think not only would you have a, not only would you remake this, but you'd have to remake it with, uh, with an actor or actress who's, who's heavier, who could realistically play, you know, play a character who's got like body image issues and have them gain that, you know, gain that confidence and this kind of this desire to get revenge on this asshole, which it's kind of like, it's a primordial thing. It's, 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 it's in our, you know, it's human nature pushes him and, not only that, but then you throw in, there's a little backstory between Scully and Al Pellet. Al just like had tried to buy out, to buy out the barnacle and Scully wouldn't sell, but there was nothing more to that. And I think if you kind of add the, add tension between them, maybe they used to be partners and Al screwed right. him over. And maybe that happened in 1985, but whatever it is that happened. Like these guys have been feuding before you would just do all your feuds online and, uh, you know, through, through Facebook and 
Twitter and Snapchat. So for for Jack getting involved and like, you know, joining this feud, it's kind of a return to um, I don't want to say more traditional values, but just a more active, healthier lifestyle, even though he's like seeking vengeance. Right. He's he's got confidence. And then and at the end of the original, when they're when when they're trying to get the um, when they need more material for the sale. And Jack takes his his pants off and puts them up there. And I and what I liked about that was like, oh, this is this is this great like, hey, man, I might be fat, but I'm going to own it. And at least and like I at least feel more confident I would say you'd ha- like have it be the shirt. Yeah. In and like remake this and have it be the I feel like there's a lot more I maybe it's just me but I feel like like ripping off the shirt shows a confidence shows a greater confidence and um and I and and that could honestly work uh, I I think you know I was thinking about possible actors to take over the 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 Jack role, and I definitely thought before of, before you move on to that, I just want to point out that when you rip off a shirt, you have a torn shirt. That's a rip torn shirt, baby. <sighs> Who are you casting? I'm just taking a moment for that. <laughs> All right. As soon as as soon um, as it said that, everyone hit the like skip thirty seconds button on their app. (laughs) They're just like, I can't stand this anymore. (laughs) Get to the end. No, I'm done. (laughs) So, um, so along the lines of now, if this was going to be one of your Adam Sandler Netflix productions, uh, perhaps Adam Sandler wouldn't be starring, but maybe Kevin James, who Mm. I have as he's, and I'm very I I like. Here comes the boom. Otherwise, I'm kind of meh on Kevin James. Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking like, I, and yes, that would make sense for the narrative that you're going for. Um, I have some other. Yeah. I mean, I intentionally wanted it to be somebody who had a different body type because then it would maybe seem too much like a John Candy replacement, you know? Right. Yeah. But. I, thinking about another couple of actors I had down were Jack Black, um, Danny McBride. I, I think Danny McBride would actually be... Danny McBride I, would be I, really interesting. I think Danny McBride would be really funny. And I feel like he's also kind of... He's at the right age for it. And I think he could actually pull off... I think he can really... I think he can pull off kind of both ends of the Jack Chester spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um I I thought about Anthony Anderson a lot. Really? So I like his work. I um I I love his work on Blackish. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's um I don't know if he's necessarily big enough to make the body image subplot work and uh you kind of sacrifice the the sunburn gag it just wouldn't work as well. Uh-huh. Um same thing with I was thinking about like Leslie Jones. I was like I I was like some of these scenarios. I was like, oh, Leslie Jones would be Melissa McCarthy. Like, I mean, you know, it's right. not. I think I think Melissa McCarthy could actually be really funny in that in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that would that's you know, 
I don't think you necessarily need to like do a switch. I was just thinking like these are really talented actors. I mean, and I mean, actors, actresses, I kind of use it interchangeably, but Melissa McCarthy, you know, this could be a really funny kind of family comedy for her. Mm -hmm. It could work, but also I think Danny McBride, it would be a good, it would be kind of something different for him. So, uh, so I think those are kind of like my, my top two. Okay. For the, for, for that, for that role. And, uh, so what are your thoughts on, um, on the, the rest of the, uh, main cast? Oh, I, I already told you. Oh, you were, you were definite. You had no other. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, so, oh, I didn't know if you had any other thoughts. So, um, let me run. So I was starting, I was like, who would be, who'd I love to see as Al Pellet? For some reason, the first name that came to mind was George Clooney. Uh, I thought of him too, but I, I don't know. It just like, didn't feel right. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I thought about George Clooney. I thought about Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> well, Sigourney Weaver I, has kind of done that character, you know, well, I mean, in, Going, going even back to like working girl. You kind well, yeah, of that's what that. I was kind of thinking. Yeah. That's kind of but what I was thinking was her, her in, role in working girl. In, um, in kind of similarly in baby mama, you know, kind of, she's not like the bad guy, bad guy, but you know, it's like, well, she's, yeah. It's funny. Cause those were arrogant, kind of the two wealthy performances woman. of hers. Those are kind of the two performances of hers that I was thinking of where I was like, yeah, I could see Sigourney Weaver. And then I have, I have a few names, Robert Downey Jr., Mm-hmm. Would be an interesting, uh, funny Al Pellet, and then I've 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 a few names here you, wait, that I have for I have, both. You know who would also be good, Jillian Anderson. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely Jillian Anderson. I mean, Jillian Anderson's she's fantastic, but she's that would awesome. be funny. That'd be funny. So I have a few names on here that I actually have for both Scully and Pellet. Okay, <laughs> um, Kevin Klein, who. Played, it was a played in the Pirates of Penzance. So you've got a movie pirate there. Um, Brian Cranston, I actually <laughs> think would be great in either role. Yeah. Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus. That would be Michael an interesting Douglas. one. Michael Douglas. I don't know. Maybe more as Scully. Um, I also have Danny DeVito for Scully, but then like Scully, I was thinking about like, ah, oh, Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And then I was like, damn, I just would love to see like Kevin Klein and Brian Cranston and just have him flip to see who's going to take which part. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that um, sounds great. I mean, there, and then there's other, I was like, just thinking about like, all right, who are some other movie pirates? And, uh, I thought about a- Alan, I'm going to, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Tudyk. Um, Alan Tudyk. T- Alan Tudyk, thank you. Yeah, who was in played a pseudo. Well, go on, but with Rip Torn Mm -hmm. in Dodgeball, right? Where he played Pirate Steve, who was a pseudo pirate. But the fact that he co-starred with Rip Torn, I feel like that would just add a nice connective thread. I thought about Johnny Depp. I thought about boy. (laughs) I thought about Gina Davis and Matthew Modine of Cutthroat Island. Oh my god! Yeah, Jeffrey Rush and. Kurt Russell, a little Captain Ron, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> going back to just going back to uh, Matthew Modine briefly. 
I, whenever he is brought up or if I see him in something, all I can ever think about is Jiminy Glick and, and I, my twin sons, Matthew and Modine. Oh, yeah. The, yes. <laughs> the fact that his twin sons are named Matthew and Modine is like the funniest thing to me. Like, it's the funniest thing I think I've ever heard. And I bet that it's something that he just like said and then immediately forgot about. And then was like, oh, yeah, um, I guess we have to follow up with that. Ha- have you seen the Jiminy Glick movie? I thought that that was part of the Jiminy Glick movie. Oh, I, I thought it was just on his show. But it, the Jiminy Glick movie, I mean, I haven't seen it in ages, but I remember watching it at, like on demand at, at some point and just laughing my ass off. So, I, I mean... Martin Thank you, Short. Martin Short. So he's so good. And I feel like I didn't take the time to appreciate Jiminy Glick when it was like happening. But man, what a great character. It's really funny. Yeah. Really funny. Yeah. So, I mean, and hey, Martin Short, he's a, you know, of Captain Ron. So yeah. maybe, you know, you you throw him in there as, as a Scully or Al Pellet. Or get, well, I'd put uh, Kurt Russell as Al Pellet. And then put uh, Martin Short as Scully. Oh. And then it's a little <laughs> Captain Ron, like, role reversal-ish it's a role type reversal. of swap. Oh. Yeah. I yes. mean, Captain Ron, I think, is another one that fits into the summer rental category. Um, boating aside, you know. It's, Probably has the same score. It's a... I am so curious. Like, as now we're, I want to watch as Captain like, Ron to see. As we've got that shot coming in, like over whatever the Florida Keys or yeah. the Bahamas, and like they're coming off the plane, like down the ladder, and you know, so, oh, this is nice. Anyway, so <laughs> you've uh, seen the movie. D- did you have more that you wanted to talk about with your remake stuff? Because I there was one thing I, I wanted to mention, but it's com- it's completely off topic. Well, I was just I was trying to think of. of directors and i don't know that it would i don't know that you necessarily would need like a a name director someone who who like you know you just think of off the top of your head um an auteur per se right but i was but i was wondering i was like man i wonder what if you had rob reiner like let's get rob yeah. reiner to just to, that would be to fun remake his father's because i mean and honestly it's like i i felt so you know we did carl reiner's summer rental Mm-hmm. recently or, or sorry summer school mm-hmm. and now we did summer rental and when we did summer school i when, when i rewatched summer school i felt like oh wow i really enjoy this a lot more now and with summer rental i was just kind of like yeah okay i'm well, surprised i really remember this well <laughs> i mean summer school is a lot punchier because you have teenagers in the 80s Plus, you are a school teacher who has taught summer school, so yes. you have that connection yes. with it. Whereas summer rental, you've never been in that type of situation before, and it's a I like. Hope a, I am never in. I mean, sure, of course. Um, Sunburg with an aircast on, and and this and this brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about is that you know, growing up, we as a family. Um, we are brothers. If that, if someone's listening for the first time and didn't know that, um, we as a family, you know, we went on a handful of 
summer vacations, but they were usually to the same place for a few years in a row. We went to Sea Island, Georgia. Um, yeah. A few times driving there. And I feel like the most memorable parts about those trips, at least for me, were the trip to get there. Um, mm-hmm. Our parents will argue that we spent the entire times, like you were saying before, looking at screens. We were looking at playing Game Boys or listening to our <laughs> our Walkmen. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, that certainly was part of the experience, but also like going to south of the border, which yeah, I, I am trying to think about that place, but I'm sure it's probably very problematic and nothing that would... Fireworks. Yeah, that's pretty oh, much it. Fireworks and stereotypes and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of stereotypes. Stuckies, um, going to Stuckies. Stuckies. Getting like a, whatever, a pecan roll. Well, the, the other thing I remember about a trip to Sea Island was when we stayed at... We stopped at a hotel maybe it was in like North Carolina or something. And this hotel, it was like attached to a, I want to say like a shopping mall with a movie theater in it where we saw the movie stay tuned. We saw stay tuned there. We saw hearts and souls or hearts and really? souls with Robert <laughs> Downey. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure this was all at, at that theater. I, 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 I just remember like wrong. a lot of, colorful lights like it was a very different type of place that i'd ever been in before yeah well it was a it was a multiplex and it was a multiplex before we really had a lot of multiplexes near us because uh you know we grew up in union county new jersey the menlo park multiplex had didn't open until i think 93 Mm -hmm. the mountainside multiplex opened in like 95 or 96 so in when we're talking like you know 91 90 stay tuned you know it was 92 um multiplexes also like staying in a hotel that was like you didn't have to leave the building to go into the mall and into the movie theater i mean that was amazing it was groundbreaking absolutely and yeah i remember i remember seeing stay tuned and i don't Mm -hmm. remember heart and souls but uh stay tuned i remember that whole experience i think we saw that one there i might be like i I might be wrong about that like i i had thought that we had seen the fugitive there but when i found my (laughs) ticket stubs i i I don't think the truth came out so yeah What's also funny is while I was watching Summer Rental, you know, it's like raining and the the family with, without uh, John Candy are going to see, going to the movies. And mm-hmm. at first I was like, oh, it's kind of weird to like go to a movie while you're on summer vacation. And it's like, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> we did that when it rained. We did that in, I mean, I remember doing that actually like when we were in Sea Island, I remember it rained once and uh, you and, and Scott didn't come along on this, but we, those of us who had achieved teendom by 1991 went to go see Point Break. Oh, man. <laughs> and like this little like 
dinky shopping center like movie theater that's also like that's playing like second run movies and it's it's kind of like the opposite of like oh wow look at all the lights and the giant posters right and, like giant 50 foot thing indiana jones and like this was just kind of like in the corner of like you know letters kind of falling off the marquee and uh you know really cheap but i remember yeah we saw uh point break pont brack Pont Brack. Letters Pont are Bracula. falling off. Uh, so oh, okay, there we go. There we go. That's that's Pont what Brac. I'm talking about. It's a French so, film about a bridge. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I I that was kind of my. Those are like my memories of our summer vacations. You know, it was. I don't even remember how long we were there. A week or two. Yeah, I think it would be like. A week, a week, I, week I and a half, or something, and yeah, uh, yeah. and, and you I know, mean, we went to the same place for a few years, and we went with um, other families that we were family friends with, and um, yeah. you know, and and, and th- when I think about it now, as a a parent, I'm like, huh, yeah, I understand why. We went there, you know, one of the reasons is that there was all this stuff for like kids to go off and do like all day long. Like you weren't, I think you were already too old for this type of thing. But for me and Scott, you know, we would just kind of get sent off to go do all these activities with like this other set of kids. Yeah, exactly. Who was also there. Yeah. So it's like, no, that's kind of a perfect, perfect situation there. So, oh yeah. um, but yeah, and and very similarly in summer rental, there's uh, supposed to be a nursery school where the youngest child went off to, but Mother Goose had closed. Yeah, I um, so I'll interject mm-hmm. um, as we wrap up shop here on summer rental, but I will interject that I remember, and it was summer of '86, so um, might be a little foggy for your memory, but I remember that. Um, we like, or it was grand, it was grandma seal, mm-hmm. our grandmother and Papa Milty, her husband, they either, they rented or like mom and the Elaine and Gail and all them like rented a beach, a, like a beach house, a summer rental uh-huh. down by the Jersey shore. And I remember they, they drove out because I remember the car with California plates and I remember going, I remember that when it rained, we went to the movies and we didn't all go to the movies. I went, I think just with, with grandma seal GMC, Mm -hmm. um, and, and Milton to see the karate kid part two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I, and I remembered that in the in summer rental, it was kind of a similar like vibe, like all those little houses kind of next to each other. And they're all pretty mm-hmm. much just there for people to like, you know, sleep, eat and everything. And like you're just you're there to go to the beach. Right. So I remember um, I remember that. And that's kind of the most the most similar thing, but like, you know, we grew up in New Jersey and even though we didn't necessarily like, you know, rent a beach house for, you know, long periods of time or any periods of time, really. Right. Um, 
like we still went down to we knew people with beach houses yeah. and like you know we'd go down and like so the what you see in summer rental it was not um not entirely un, unlike what you'd what you'd see down by the jersey shore right yeah yeah but probably the jersey shore would not have that like pan flute score to it <laughs> I was, I was just, I was just, it would be Bon Jovi. Yeah. It'd be <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> Bon Jovi, and repeat. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie and the Cruisers. Yeah. So Dan, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Let's talk. I We keep on doing this. We're talking about. We're going to talk about, look who's talking, talking about talking. No, we're not. We're going to talk about the no? pro. I know. On the next yeah, episode. I know. I didn't, I wasn't saying we're talking about look who's talking. I know, but I'm getting us out of this little spiral. We're going to talk oh, about shit. the crow. Thank you. We're going to talk about the crow. Um, 1994. Okay. I will say I have not seen the crow yesterday as I was flipping through stuff. I saw that it was streaming and I was like, huh, maybe I'll watch the crow, but didn't. Only thing I know about the crow is that Brandon Lee died during the filming. And that's all I know. Yep. Um, and We'll we'll talk more about it next week or, or next time, and by then I'm sure you'll know a lot more about about the crow. Yeah, well, so I'm excited uh, to talk about it. Yeah, and um, I think it might be on Netflix or something. So if you have whatever streaming service it's on, feel free to check it out. And uh, if you want to um, chime in and um, write to us at ruinedchildhoodspot at gmail we'll be sure to. Uh, Read whatever you say on the show, unless you tell us, don't read this. This is for your eyes only. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be a weird thing to do. Why would you do that? Especially if it's an email about the movie for your eyes only. But, um, and I will say other, other ways, if you're looking for, if you're looking for some of the movies that we're talking about, you're having trouble finding them, um, on, you know, on streaming services, uh, we are, big supporters of your local public library mm-hmm. as um, not just a source for great reading and a quiet place, but a place and the, you could get the movie, a quiet place at your local I library. Bet you could. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, that's where I went for some, for summer rental. And I, I always feel, you know. I always feel a little embarrassed when I go to take a movie out of the library. Like I should be getting books and instead I'm getting summer school <laughs> yeah i don't know uh, our tax dollars pay for us to have the freedom of choice so whether we watch summer school or we read things when, for summer school when i was taking summer school out from the library you know some libraries they have the actual discs like behind the counter somewhere but mm-hmm. uh, when i went to go take out the dvd of summer school I brought up to the librarian and I, and I was just like, oh, is the disc in there? And they just gave me the look of like, it's summer school. Like, we're not going to go, th- <laughs> go through all the trouble <laughs> for summer school. <laughs> yeah. It's in there, buddy. Don't worry about it. See, for my library, I usually have to like kind of put a hold on things and have them sent over from another branch so I can walk in and it's on a shelf and it, I've it's it has like there's a kiosk where you can just kind of check out and scan your card and I don't have to interact with humans. So there's a lot less shame. Yeah, it's like but but there were humans that had to go through the troubles of like 
taking disorderlies off the shelf. Not that that's available at any libraries. I'm a hundred percent certain about that, but not that uh, anybody, like there'd be a, a, a human that puts it in a car and drives it to a different location. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they yes. see your name on the thing and it's like, man, if this Dan character ever crosses paths with me, I'm going to have oh, some things to say. Alicia's, Alicia's name is on the account. So <laughs> the perfect crime. All right. Well, anyway, look, I, I teach, I teach high school in this town. So God forbid, you like, have a reputation. One of the kids walks in and they're like, um, yeah. So there's this slip for Mr. Wiener and it was on this, like, uh, this, this police academy. I don't know. <laughs> Well, they shouldn't. I, I be. don't need to go to the library for any of the police academy movies. We all know That's that. Fine. I know when I was before I said disorderlies, I was going to actually reference like Rocky Four, and I was like, we all know that Dan didn't need to rent Rocky Four from a library. No, no, <laughs> so, not at all. Uh, I just had to go to the living room. <laughs> so, Dan, um, thank you so much for uh, for doing the show with me. It's a lot of fun. I'm really excited oh, hey. to uh, to do yeah. this actually in person with you when we are on our trip in a, in about a week. We're very and a half. excited. Yeah, we're going. Li- we're well. I was gonna say we're going live. I guess we're going live in Ho- from Hawaii. That's right. We're gonna be yes. on Oahu, uh, recording a podcast. And I, I'm I'm trying right now. I've got a. Um, like a big safe bag and I'm trying to figure out my like configuration to bring all the gear, but it's getting a special checked luggage situation. Oh, okay. All right. Sweet. Well, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to chatting about the crow. Yeah. For our next episode. Yeah. And, uh, my, just as my recording gear will have a good journey to Hawaii, y'all have a good journey from this show. Absolutely. A good journey to all and to all a good night. <laughs>